My best friend's boyfriend treats her like garbage, and after my best friend ended up in the hospital due to her boyfriend being so awful, I decided that I was going to get some revenge. So I hacked his computer and his home network, and I exposed him for the horrible boyfriend that he really is. And as a result, this guy left town, and nobody has ever heard from him ever since. Here's what happened. So to start things out, I had to create a throwaway account just for this story. This took place over 10 years ago, but I still don't really want this associated with me for reasons which will become very apparent. There was this girl who used to be a bartender at my favorite local pub. I'll call her Nikki. Nikki is not her real name. I went there a lot and we gradually became friends. Apparently she wanted to date me at one time, but I was too oblivious to get the hints. But that's a whole different story. She had this guy who she was on and off with. I'll call him Tim, also not his real name. And this guy was about 15 years older than her and he was a complete jerk. He would do normal jerk stuff, like borrow money from her and never repay. He would call her fat despite the fact that she has a solid 10 out of 10 body and he would get mad whenever she hung out with other guys. Stuff like that. She stopped coming into work for a while and one of the other bartenders told me that she had injured her foot or something along those lines. So I decided just to give her a call. It turns out she was in the hospital. So I went to visit her and I brought her a pizza from this place next to the pub that we used to go to all the time. On the phone she told me she stepped on a piece of glass but I knew the moment I saw her foot that that was a complete lie. It was a total mess. Stitches everywhere. The whole foot and calf was bruised and there was even a tube coming out of the top to drain the fluids. It was brutal to look at. We talked for a while and I cheered her up for a little bit. After all, good pizza makes everything just a little bit better. I asked her to tell me what really happened and then she started crying. She told me that Tim had thrown her out on his balcony. They were living together for about a month at this point and slammed her foot into the sliding glass door. It was broken in a whole bunch of places and had to have screws put in just to hold it together. She then confessed that he has done stuff like this in the past with the looming danger that it could happen again if she ever tried to leave him. And that is absolutely not okay. Now at this point I should give some background about myself. I'm a big guy but in no way am I a tough guy. For reference I'm 6 foot 7 and I weigh 270 pounds. I have worked in programming and IT since I was in high school and was working an information security analyst for a nationwide ISP at the time. I had dabbled in some harmless hacking in the past, but nothing targeted or malicious. But you know what? I had my target in my sights, so I decided to get some well-deserved revenge. Now, I knew where Tim lived, having dropped Nikki off there a couple of times, and I knew his Wi-Fi used WEP encryption because I had helped her fix a problem once with her laptop. WPA and WPA2, now completely standard, they are fairly secure, and with WEP, I can crack my way into it in a matter of minutes. I parked my car near his apartment complex and I used an antenna to connect to his network. Now, I won't go too far into the details of what I did, but it amounts to a type of man-in-the-middle attack where port 443 traffic is dropped, forcing websites to use HTTP rather than HTTPS. Next, I use some programs to capture packets and filter them to get some login cookies. I then use a script to insert the cookies into his browser session on my laptop. This resulted in me being logged into his Facebook, his email, as well as his online poker accounts. And this is all from my laptop from my car. I then use a packet attack to deny him access to his own router, as I didn't want any interruptions. Using my phone as a modem, I changed the password to his Facebook account. Then I made a post with a picture of Nikki's messed up foot and the message that said, this is what happens when I get angry. I then tagged his mother, sister, boss, and a bunch of his friends from the pub and co-workers. Now this next part 
is where I might have crossed the line a little bit. I had a really sweet DSLR camera at the time with a telephoto lens, great low lighting sensitivity. I mean, this thing was really good. And you know what I did? I used it to take a picture of him through his window while he was sitting at his desk playing online poker, all before beginning my attack. I used some free photo editing software to really make this scary. I then emailed it to him from himself with a text saying, mess with the best, expire like the rest. The next time you hurt her, I'll make you beg. And I know it sounds cringy, but at the time it wasn't so bad. Now to me, this had been meant to scare him a little bit, maybe get him in trouble with people he cared about, nothing more. I found out weeks later that he had been fired and his whole family wasn't talking to him. Nikki said he changed his number and wouldn't talk to her. A week or so later, I heard that he left town and nobody knew where he had gone. Now look, I know what I did was probably a little too extreme, but I gotta be honest and I have to say it. I'm not sorry in the slightest. That is definitely getting revenge on a whole different level. This guy literally hacked into this guy's network and basically exposed this guy for the horrible person that he was. Now, I just want to say this first and foremost, you really should not do this. You shouldn't go around hacking people's networks or scaring them by taking pictures of them. I don't endorse that. I think that's a terrible idea. And the original poster in this story seriously got lucky. Like, imagine if they didn't cover their tracks and this came back to them. This could have been really, really bad. Also, the wording on the text that he sent with that picture of this guy was a little bit more explicit than what I said in the story. So keep that in mind when you're considering this guy's case. I think it's great that you wanted to help your friend out. And sure, there were positive results of this guy leaving Nikki alone, as well as him basically cutting town and all that stuff. But either way, the fact that you can do this to somebody's network is both equally impressive and also incredibly scary. If you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out, link down below in the description. Also follow Am I the Jerk on Instagram and Twitter to see all the stories that couldn't make it into the videos. My manager decides to take me off my typical job on the night shift at a warehouse. But what they don't realize is that I'm the best at that job and without me being there, that place is going to fall apart. Here's what happened. So I used to work for a rainforest name company several years ago that primarily focused on shipping and delivering packages and orders from their customers online. Specifically, I worked at one of the distribution warehouses that was the last stop for packages that were to be loaded into those blue vans that bring your new stuff to your front door. Big trucks would unload packages throughout the night to be sorted and prepped by the workers. And then the full bags of packages would be loaded into vans in the morning to be delivered by the drivers to the houses. This system repeated every day with two to three shifts of workers working on this. And as luck would have it, I was happily placed on the night shift. The work was simple, if not exhausting. And being at night meant we didn't have to worry about the heat as much as a day shift had to. I won't go too deep into detail about how every job worked, but I'll try to give you enough detail to help you get a good idea of what happened. After the usual new hire period, where I was just trying to find my groove and get used to the hustle and bustle of the warehouse, I found myself assigned to one of the nightly jobs that was unanimously described as the most difficult job there. And honestly, I completely agree with that. The packages will be loaded from the trucks onto the conveyor belt and need to be pushed to one side of it or the other, depending on which side of the building they would need to be going to. The packages would have a sticker with the letter on them, followed by indicators for where it would go later on. The letter determined which side it was supposed to be on and in turn, which half of the building it would need to be based on where that aisle was compared to the belt. It is a little bit complicated, but hopefully you're still with me. Now, if standing beside the belt, pushing and pulling boxes and paper packages for several hours based on a letter sounds like an easy job to you, 
Well, congrats. You would be placed right across from me to get your brain melted by the pace we had to work. Imagine, if you will, a rhythm-based video game set to the highest difficulty, and then replace the buttons or notes with packages of different sizes. That would be a fairly close representation of what you would be staring at for not just minutes, but several hours. Things would get so overwhelming that some workers would give up halfway through the night after getting too dizzy from having the rollers and the belts spinning in their vision for too long. The nights were even harder when the holidays came around, and the belt would absolutely be packed with boxes, all falling off the side on the regular. But then you would look up across the belt, weary from the never-ending monsoon of labels and letters, and then you would see me, listening to my nearby music, moving packages around like I had two extra arms, as if I was some kind of splitting god. I will admit, it did take a while to get used to the flow when I first started, and it did put a bit of a strain on my eyes, but I would honestly just shut my brain off and let my eyes become unfocused as I just autopiloted the job like a madman. No one ever did better than me at this job during my time there. And that's not my words, by the way. That's what everyone said who ever tried to replace me from that spot. Just like when our unwitting antagonist of this story finally enters, a manager from Day Shift that we'll call Sam. Sam is not their real name. Occasionally, managers would switch around from the different shifts to make sure they all knew how the place functioned properly. So that's cool, no problem. I got in for my shift on the night Sam was to manage our shift for once. I gave the usual hellos and ironic good mornings to everyone prepping for the night shift and went up to the job board. Everyone got assigned with a little name badge next to the job they would do that night as they came in to do their work. And since I was usually one of the first ones there, I would just say hi to the night manager as I moved my own name to the splitter position as we both knew that it was my spot. This night, however, was a little bit different. I went through those same motions. I said hi to Sam. I placed my tag on the splitter job and went to go prepare the split zone for my day. A few minutes later, I get called over to the job board. Sam says to me, hey, I wanted to let you know that I moved you to section A for the night. Go ahead and get a scanner set up and head on over. At this point, I was confused. I said, what about splitting? Sam said, don't worry, we have that covered. We just need you to cover over in A. I had already set up my place at the split zone so I could handle it at my best and he was already moving some stuff away so he could do whatever he was doing for the night. It was basically just a couple of package racks for damaged stuff I pull off the belt as well as a place for my small speaker. I was a bit confused as the package count was higher than average that night and a good splitter really takes a load off of a lot of the other jobs down the line. I said to them, are you sure you want to do this? Sam said to me, do what? I said to them, are you sure you don't want me up here? It's supposed to get pretty busy tonight. Sam waved me off and said, we'll be fine. If it gets too busy, one of us managers can jump in to help. When he said that, I actually bust up laughing briefly and then shook my head. I had seen the manager split before and none of them would last the whole night if they had to do it. A few of them could, but I was unrivaled at that job, so I knew what was about to happen. The first trucks had already pulled in and they looked pretty beefy to start with. I did some rough estimation. I looked at them and I said, okay, I'll give you 15 minutes. Sam says, huh, 15 minutes? I say, yep, 15 minutes. Okay, I gotta go get scanning now. Not much time before that belt starts and I have got to get ready again. He had actually seemed confused as I walked off to get ready for my new job. I was a little bummed in all honesty. Splitting was my favorite job with how I could just shut off my brain for a bit while doing it. Kind of like being in a trance or meditating. But the man said what the man said. Once the belt started, I went along doing my job. Scanning and placing packages in bags. Not much to say other than it was slow and boring. But I kept an eye on my watch. Surely enough, barely 10 minutes passed when one of the lane supervisors entered 
entered my lane. And before they could even address me, I said to them, they need me up front, don't they? The lane supervisor said, yep, they just sent it in in the radio. I'm here to take over until they get a replacement here. Checking my watch, I said, wow, five minutes ahead of schedule too. Must be pretty bad. The lane supervisor said, they've already had to pull jackpot back to the front twice. I looked at them and said, well, I guess I'll go save the day. Now for context, jackpot was a term we used for any packages that reached the end of the belt without being sorted. They were put in a large container and wheeled back to the front to do the whole run again. I handed the scanner to the lane supervisor and quickly made my way back to the split zone. It was absolute mayhem. I saw the poor replacement splitter and two managers, all including Sam, trying to calm the monster that was this night's intake. Packages were falling from the belt, people were being buried to their knees, and Sam looked like his eyes were about to explode with how wide they had gotten. I took a deep breath, cracked my knuckles mid-stride, and moved to the front of the line. I said to them, I've got this. Get those packages picked up and put it into the jackpot. Sam, I'm gonna need those racks back over here once it's cleared up. Other splitter, back up a bit and double check my work. There was absolutely zero room for debate, as everyone had no choice but to listen to what I had to say. As I began to split the belt like I was conducting three orchestras at once, that 10 minutes that I was gone took me another 20 to get things running smoothly again. Needless to say, I was thanked for the rescue and told to stay there for the rest of the night, much to my pleasure. Sam also proceeded to ensure that I was the designated splitter every night I was there to avoid any other problems. They also started to include me in conversations on how to train new splitters for the night shift, if I was out or anything like that, as well as any advice to pass along from my own experience. I guess it sometimes does pay to be so good at a job that no one can even question you. Now, aside from some other situations at this job, there were still nights that would put me in other jobs, but it was usually slower nights. I would usually be called up if someone gave up or just got too busy though, which I didn't mind too much either. Just as long as we were all clear that at the end of the night, that was indeed my spot. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wow, it's really cool to see someone who is so good at their job that they honestly can't be replaced. Like if this guy decided, you know what, I'm not showing up for work and it just so happened to be a holiday or some kind of like really busy night, that place would then probably be swarmed with packages. It would probably be impossible to get anything done. Like it really does sound like his job takes a lot of skill and it takes a lot of energy and a lot of focus to get it done. And it's not just something a day shift manager can walk in and be like, it's fine, I got this. Yeah, good luck, buddy. 
everybody. Clearly, you don't have it. So good for the original poster for showing not only are they awesome at their job, but they're also incredibly valuable towards this company. Am I the jerk for asking a female co-worker if they could possibly just leave me alone? Here's what happened. So long story short, I'm not exactly comfortable around women, and I do what I can to minimize my interactions with females as much as I can. It has nothing to do with capabilities or anything like that. I just get extremely uncomfortable. We have a new hire that has been really trying to get to know people around the office better, and I happen to just excuse myself when she comes around. Thankfully, I work in the field a lot, so I am often alone, so it does not happen often, but when I do come to the office, she keeps trying to befriend or talk to me. I am civil and polite, and I say hello, and I can handle idle chit-chat, even if it is visibly uncomfortable for me. She brought this up with my friend in the office, and he explained the situation, and since then, it seems that she has made it her mission to have me open up. On Friday, I asked her if she could leave me alone, please, that I have no intention of becoming her friend or opening up. She then lashes out and calls me misogynistic. Now, I thought it over over the weekend, and it had been racking my brain. Am I really the jerk for not wanting to put myself in an uncomfortable situation, and this is all just so I can avoid it? If I have to take her out in the field or help explain my drafts, I will push through. Since it is work-related, I still get uncomfortable, but it is what it is. Those are situations I cannot avoid, but general interactions, I do not think it is wrong of me to limit those when possible. On the other hand, I also understand this is a me problem. I go to therapy, but that only does so much. This is something rooted in previous experiences, and I am not comfortable writing about it. She really should not be punished for my own issues. So honestly, am I the jerk for asking a female co-worker if they could possibly just leave me alone? This is a really weird one, to be completely honest with you, because throughout the entirety of their career, they're going to have women who are co-workers. Like, that's a normal part of life. So you becoming triggered by having women in the office who are trying to be friendly with you, that, in my opinion, is a serious problem you need to work out. While I do have a lot of sympathy for the original poster to an extent, this is something that needs to be figured out sooner than later. Like, I'm positive the woman who was supposedly bothering you in the office didn't have any ill intentions. She was new and she was just trying to become friends with everybody else around her. I'm not really sure what opening up means in this situation, because I'm sure she wasn't trying to psychoanalyze you or anything like that. I'm sure she wasn't going to touch anything that you might be going through or have gone through in the past with women. She was probably just trying to be nice. And I know when I've been new at other jobs in the past, I've tried to be as nice as possible to everybody around me. I want to make friends. I don't want to make enemies after all. So I think maybe taking a step back in this situation and hopefully eventually seeing that your female co-workers are not out there to try and ruin your life, you might then be able to see that trying to close off like that might not be possible in an office setting. Now, don't get me wrong. I think it was very unprofessional for her to start screaming and calling you misogynistic, but I also think that the way you talked about this with her and basically said, no, I don't want to be your friend. Get away from me. That, in general, was really inappropriate as well. And I think everybody in this situation could have approached this a little bit better because, personally, I'm a firm believer when it comes to mental health that your triggers are your responsibility. And hopefully, with therapy and a lot of work, you can try and be around women in the office and not push them away and treat them like they're a different species altogether. Am I the jerk for telling my husband that he is not my first call when it comes to an emergency? Here's what happened. So I've been with my husband for about 22 years, and in those years, he's been incredibly unreliable about answering his cell phone when I call him. And just to be clear, I'm not frustrated that he doesn't answer when I just want to tell him something or just have a regular chat type of situation when I'm on a lunch break. I'm talking situations where I really need to talk to him and he doesn't answer his phone. 
down. One example was when I was six months pregnant with our youngest child, and while I was at work, I slipped and fell down a flight of stairs. Luckily, I landed on my bottom and everything felt okay, but my doctor sent me to the hospital just for safety. We currently only owned one car, which he was in possession of at the time, and so in order to get to the hospital to be checked out, I needed him to take me, and when I called him, he did not answer his phone. It would ring and then go straight to voicemail. I called multiple times before finally breaking his no texting preference and explained what was going on, and he finally called me back. I later found out from him that he had been just having lunch with a mutual friend and had seen me calling but wasn't wanting to be rude to our friend. A second example happened this past summer where I got into a car accident while driving his car. There was no insurance information in the car and while I had our application on my phone, the login for it had expired and I didn't know it off the top of my head. I called him multiple times, texted him multiple times and reached out to his boss and finally had to give up and accept that I didn't have insurance information and if the police were called, I'd be cited for no insurance. Luckily, the gentleman that backed into me was kind and didn't insist on calling the police and understood he was the one who backed into me and offered his insurance information with no argument whatsoever. 45 minutes later, my husband called me back and explained that he had been in the bathroom. Situations like this have me feel like he is unreliable and I can't depend on him to answer his phone, even though he knows that I won't call repeatedly unless there's a major issue going on. And I've explained that I think in the future, I will probably just call someone else for help if I need something seriously and then reach out to him after the fact. He then informed me that I'm wrong and being unreasonable and that even his therapist thinks that my position is odd because anyone I call might not answer their phone. I maintain that as my husband, he should be aware that if I'm calling repeatedly, it's an emergency and that any of the friends that I might call in a similar situation would absolutely answer their phones if I called repeatedly. I'm not sure how to feel about it, but after hearing his therapist thinks that I might be unreasonable as well, I'm honestly not sure if I'm the jerk and I really don't know what to do. I don't think you're the jerk in this situation. Your husband intentionally misses your calls just so he can do other stuff. You are clearly not a priority in his life in that regard. So in my opinion, you're not the jerk. I think you should ignore what that therapist was saying to your husband because it sounds like your husband would much rather just not answer the phone or at least answer it after the fact. So I personally don't blame you for deciding, you know what, I gotta call somebody else before I call him. He is clearly unreliable and he really should change his attitude if he wants you to start calling him for an emergency. Thanks for watching. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications so you never miss a video. To finish listening to all the stories, use the playlist at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, you're probably going to love Am I the Genius. Check it out in the description below and subscribe.